You're listening to the One Minute Mindfulness Show with Vicki Kelly and Natalie McIver. This is the One Minute Mindfulness Show where we explore the life-enhancing power of paying attention and everyday ways to strengthen our capacity for mindfulness. I'm Vicki Kelly. And I'm Natalie McIver. Yes, and welcome back. Yeah. Welcome back to the show. Uh, I have to say uh, we've had some, some uh, again, amazing comments and feedback, some beautiful people who are uh, implementing uh, and and working through their mindfulness practices in really creative ways, and I'm loving the creative mindful practices when it comes around driving and around uh, breathing and just being able to invite that breath into their world, knowing that we take our breath everywhere and certainly breathing is one of the cornerstones of our mindfulness practice. But the, the creative side of, of where and how people are choosing to breathe out slowly has been quite amazing. How about you, Natalie? Have you um, been experiencing yourself and the, in, and the people that you take care of in your world in, in similar ways? Yeah, and, and I've... Um... I've been bringing mindfulness practices into naturally into every every part of my life and it's becoming natural to me. So that's great because that's showing me that there's a new pathway being created there. It's not going to be something I have to consciously think about doing. Uh, so when I'm eating, I've been aware that why am I eating so fast? Just mm-hmm. stop. Go and sit down outside, listen to the birds, look at the trees. So slowing down. Um, or really effectively close off one of your senses. And the best, the, the, when it comes to mindful eating, it, using our taste and our smell are the big ones. If you close your eyes while you, while you chew, the experience of the other two senses as they're heightened is incredible. So people, try closing your eyes as you're eating or blindfold yourself. Mm. When I used to um, train spa staff in massage, I would have them blindfold in their training sessions so that they could only have the sense of touch and Mm -hmm. and smell and really connect to the body in that format. Um, They didn't massage the clients that way, but it was a really important shift. It created them to be mindful and really present to the person they were training on instead of looking out the window, listening to the music, thinking about the next client or their lunch break. And particularly if we're visual beings, and, and many of us are, and I'm, I'm not sure of the science, that there's all, there's, there's all different, you know, most people are visual, some people are auditory, some people are kinesthetic. I, I think we're, we're a combination of all of them. However, closing off one of those senses um, is a really powerful way of training our attention. And it was interesting that you mentioned that, you've, you know, th- there's been an immersion of um, mindfulness across your daily practices mm. of living almost on an unconscious autopilot basis. And when I hear that in the, with the people I work with, my cells sing and my heart um, is warmed because what I know that is happening is essentially, as you said, Natalie, you're laying down these new pathways. And it's our, our attention is like a muscle. And so every time we call our attention back through our mindfulness practice, through our one-minute mindfulness practice, we're training and strengthening our capacity to pay attention more naturally. And so I'm very excited, very excited. You know, today's show is all about it's all about mindfulness in the workplace. And it's, it's uh, amazing because I, in my meditation um, sort of training, as a meditation trainer, my initial introduction to that 
was in the corporate workplace. And so 10, maybe even more than that, well over a decade ago, I started introducing and promoting and marketing myself as a meditation trainer for corporate groups. And at that time, it was sort of laughed at and shrugged off. They sort of thought it was, you know, new age and all that fluffy stuff. And, you know, it, and it was something that weak people needed, not something that strong corporate people needed. And, you know, we fast forward a decade on and as, you know, the demands on our attention through multiple platforms, through work stress, through, through life stress and through the expectations of our workplaces, has us plugged in 24-7. Um, I've just left a two, I've had two corporate uh, mindfulness, what we call brown bag sessions, which is what we go into after we've done the, the mindfulness training and that they laid it out and, and um, practised that for 30 days or more. And the feedback and the results have been incredible and it was really interesting that you know I, I was reflecting on how we were going to uh, invite people to mindfulness today through this program and it was like wow 10 years ago I was literally laughed out of most businesses yeah. or many yeah. businesses and this week I was you know the the demigod of, of stress in terms of oh my goodness we didn't realize how easy and how quickly this thing called mindfulness can shift the entire culture of our business. When what, are you coming back? <laughs> and what what sort of things did they expect when you when you came in? You know, a couple of months ago, what were they expecting to to get out of working with you? Um, essentially, just an opportunity to to you know to calm down their stress bunny a bit. Yeah, so they already identified, okay, there's some stress in the workplace. We could have more productivity. We could have better um, inter-office uh, relationships, professional relationships. We could be better with our clients. What Did they have a specific or did they want everything to just look better? No, that, that was the easy part. They didn't. They just had, you know, I came in under the stress management banner and I was the experiential part of the HR sort of area and so mine was experiential they wanted an experiential uh program that was designed to reduce stress and so when i went into their when i went into the uh, their offices it was just sort of you know give us a few breathing techniques so we can get back to our desk <laughs> get back to being busy again and so once once we you know i was with them for an hour and a half for 90 minutes and we did two 45-minute blocks with groups of about 25 to 40 people in each group. Mm -hmm. And once we started unravelling stress, it was like, wow. And once we started to talk, the, the smaller group that I worked with were the um, top-level executives. So they, these people were the decision-makers. Mm -hmm. And when I started talking with them about talent retention and absentees and people, you know, being away from work because of um, sickness or the equally costly uh, life condition called presenteeism where people turn up to work mm. but they're not, they're, they're not at all productive mm. because they're, they're somewhere else. When we talked about performance and productivity, and and they, see, I could see the stress rising, you know, on on their faces. Once we were able to call that to attention, and then I was able to address how mindfulness practices 
and the emerging research is showing that it addresses so many of these challenges and offers solutions simply in the practice of mindfulness on a regular basis, they sat up and, and started taking notes. <laughs> wow. wow. And so basically, you know, because we are that plugged in 24-7 and it's, it's our corporate world and that expanding technology that has put these demands on our attention. And so now we've got to be totally uh, available and immediate gratification is just not quick enough anymore. You know, when I send an email, I want that email replied to straight away. There's no, you know, we'll give you a few hours or 24 hours. It's I want that replied to straight away. How many times, you know, every, every 90 seconds we're checking to see if we've got that reply. Do you so, think these officers, these um, directors, managers, etc., were aware uh, before you came in just how much hidden stress is going on in their workplace before oh, you came? I, I think um, they were absolutely acutely aware and even if it was only because of how it was affecting their bottom line, we got them opening up their minds and hearts and thinking a little bit differently about how the culture within their organisation is not only affecting their bottom line but it's affecting um, the future of the way the world will be and that you know they have they have an opportunity to step up and not just be about profit but be also about people and most you know many um rapidly growing organizations are recognizing and redefining their relationship with what success is and they're putting and investing a lot more time energy and resource into to taking care of their people of their community and so it's it, Yes, they, they were aware, but, but again, it's that, you know, what, what can we do about it? So it's, it's, and they're looking, they're looking. You know, given, given the stress and the cost of stress on business, it's, it's no wonder that they're looking out there for ways to slow down this rapid roadrunner pace that is costing organizations not only dollars, but it's costing them talent. You know, talent retention, keeping keeping good people is really hard nowadays, you know, because they get burnt out and leave. And it's costing them creativity and growth because when you're when you're stressed and you're caught up in the in the stuff, then you're not open to seeing where else your business could go or another market you could branch into or even changing the development and in, and increasing things within your current structure. It really hold it stops the flow of that. Exactly. Well, when we're stressed, all of our creativity and resource centres are closed down. We get into judgment. We're very linear in our thinking. When we're uh, when we are um, on basically experiencing ourselves through the hormones of stress, all of those creativity centres are shut down because we're in we're essentially in a low grade form of survival. Mm. If when we when we can call our attention back and train our attention to be more mindful. We open up all of the centres for resourcefulness, for creativity. We're happier, we're kinder, we're more resilient, we're, we're nicer to be around. We play well with others <laughs> when, we're, when we're more mindful. And, of course, that's not just, you know, your benefit going into businesses and corporates and, and all, all levels of business is not just about making the employers or employees happier at work and more productive and the clients more satisfied and more creative and more, you know, better figures, etc. It's also about the spill-off 
of how those people then take that home and out into the bigger world. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's it's that positive change for the greater good. And if, if, if it's, it is that absolute um, spillover effect as, as you talk about it because by, by default and really by accident, over the years of, of me working with individuals and groups, it wasn't until many years into my um, um, practice and um, training and development of this practice that I really began to recognise that spillover effect. When people would come back and say, oh, my family's happier, that they don't, you know, they don't practice the, my um, techniques, but they're just happier. Mm. And it's it's almost like we we cultivate our environment, and the way that we cultivate it is through our hearts. I, I truly, honestly believe that, and we are more connected to our hearts and our heart energy and space when we're paying attention, when we've trained our attention, when we are here in in the present moment. And the good and so news is it doesn't have to be this big, lengthy practice. It can be just little moments, mental sit-ups, little moments of mindfulness throughout the day where we apply it to every practice, everything we're doing, whether it's hanging washing on the line, cooking dinner, driving in the traffic, and I love that. I love that we get to be empowered with that that, um, ability to make a massive difference really subtly but really powerfully everywhere we go. And we tend to... Uh, always be doing something, even if it's being still. <laughs> and so just being able to call our attention back to whatever it is that we are doing in that moment. And the reason that the breath is so powerful is because there is not a moment of time that goes by that we're not breathing. Hopefully. <laughs> 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 yes. Um, so tell me then, Vicky, you go into workplaces, you run these 45-minute um, uh, processes, you, you spend some time with them. What happens when you go back? What What do you see when they invite you back? Uh, I see a glitter in their eyes. I see karma, a, you know, an overall sense of calm and ease. Uh, they are happier. And by happier, I don't necessarily mean, you know, um, jumping with jolly good and joy. They just have a deeper sense of connectedness and an inner sense of well-being, which has them happier, more fulfilled. They, they are more connected to the meaning of their work. And that, that was one of the things in one of the groups that I went into a few days ago, one of the big things that the group collaboratively collaboratively got out of their, they did a 30-day program, was that they uh, became reconnected with the reason that they were there, mm. the deeper, the deep and meaningful reason for them turning up to work every day. It was a, a charity organisation and they'd sort of got into this, we just, we're, we're getting money from people, we're getting money from people. Mm. And they, they disconnected and unravelled from the vision of why they were doing what they were doing. And without any attention to that specifically, the number of people that, you know, when we were doing feedback said, yeah, yeah, I did. I felt more connected to why I was, do- why I was here. And that gave me 
more motivation. It gave me more inspiration to want to enrol and engage other people in our cause rather than me just ringing and asking yeah. for money because that was what I had to do and that's what I got paid for. And then hopefully at the end of the day I could just go home and inhale the contents of the fridge. Or... <laughs> mm. And so it, it was it was that. It was that, you know, people felt more resilient. People felt like they were happier as a team. They they felt more engaged and more they had more affinity for the people around them. They felt more confident. Uh, they they were more productive, they were less reactive. So again it was that when they're stressed, when they're in the, even just that low grade stress, that distraction stress, they are more reactive than when they are attentive. Because when we're attentive, we're more resourceful. We're, we're the closer version of who it is we'd love to be. So I think it must take a really insightful, connected, um, open employer to agree to having you come to their workplace to show you how to allow him to pay people to sit there and do nothing. That must be a strange concept for people <laughs> to kind of be getting. Maybe some people listening to the show are thinking, man, why would I do that? So, you know, you've yeah. listed a few yeah. of those you're benefits. Exactly right. <laughs> you're exactly right. And and that's what I mean, you know, 10 years ago it was why would why would I get you into the workplace to pay my staff to complain, you know, to complain about being stressed and then I have to pay them to do nothing. That just doesn't make sense. Sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? <laughs> and the results are proving, you know, you, the yeah. results are proving, I'm hearing you say, they're improving for people in their personal lives, their, their sense of purpose, because we are all driven to want to make a difference and have a sense of purpose and to feel fulfilled in our work. And every business coach, marketing person, every every form of um, modality and materially in the workplace will tell you it's all about building connections with the with the customer and with each other. And mindfulness practices do that. They give us a greater sense of connection to self and and to others. And from that basis, there can only be greater well-being and, and health and wealth and fabulousness, I, I would believe. Well, you know, it's interesting that you talk about customers and, you know, the people that we're taking care of, whether you're a service provider or whether you're, you know, in, in retail. And it was a number of years ago and one, I went into a um, professional services, it was accounting and law and and. Imagine going into there and trying to teach them to meditate. So it, it was, uh, I'm not sure. I think I was I was just a glutton for, for punishment. I just liked, liked to be beat, beaten around in those days. And so I went in and I did this and they agreed, you know, to jump on board because they paid for it. And so, you know, mm -hmm. especially the accountants wanted to see these results. They wanted to see people, but if we're paying for it, you've got to do it. And so they had, um, they all came to agreement that they would, they would do this and they it was a um, two-month program. They did it for two months. And one of the unlikely benefits that came out of it was that their their customer, they, they, during it, which had nothing to do with what we were doing, but during it they did a customer um, satisfaction survey mm -hmm. or a client satisfaction survey. It went up over 50% compared to the, the six months prior when wow. they'd done the same survey. And um, because it, the, the main thing was that the people felt cared about and listened to. Such fast and powerful results you, you're able to demonstrate to us from, from these practices and bring them into work. It is. And it's so, amazing. So more and more, your question about why would employers or, yeah, why would employers pay 
um, one for someone like me to come into their organisation mm. and teach their employees how to how to uh, slack off, you know, how to, how to <laughs> so basically how to slow down. Mm. And so it's because it's paying for them, you know. It, not only in the, in the quality and, the, and giving people a better experience, it's paying off in the bottom line because the the increasing evidence through lots of and lots of the growing body of research out there is that in business and in life, slowing down is the key to being more productive and more fulfilled. And so it's really it's a it's a no brainer now because and particularly when you mention you know big corporations like Google and Facebook and LinkedIn they're all investing tens of thousands of dollars in um in contemplative programs in mindfulness based search inside yourself at Google for instance is a huge program that um, all of the engineers and techies are part of and it's bringing them incredible results across their creativity you know tech. And particularly at Google, it's all about creativity. Mm. But they're also highly stressed because, again, they're plugged in 24-7. And so being able to um, offer sure, selective, highly effective mindfulness practices to train their attention that brings multiple benefits across multiple areas of not only their organisation but their lives and then have that skill on effect is really pretty appealing when it comes to their performance and productivity, but it, when it also comes to their talent um, retention, mm. Mm. Keep, keeping people happy so they want to stay around. And who wouldn't want to work in an environment like that where you're going to get time out to, to de-stress, to be mindful? And, you know, perhaps every employer listening to this might like to bring in maybe massage at lunch as well as the mindfulness practice. I think that would be a pretty, a pretty great environment to work in. I know that I'd want to show up every day. Well... There is, I mean, there's there's movements out now out there now around massage, you know, desk massage. Um, and in in one in one office, we they already had two or three massage therapists sort of on, on the payroll, and so we changed them to one minute massages. Mm. They were they were doing ten minute massages at their desks, but they were still pumping and typing away. Yeah. <laughs> massage. So we we did a social experiment and said let's let's do one minute massages. However, you have to unplug um, and sit and focus on your breath while you're getting massaged for that one minute. Well, the, the res- what, what the, uh, the HR team thought was that people would be up in arms. No, we want our 10 minutes back. Mm. The resounding result was, no, let's keep the one minute because we feel so much better having one minute two or three times a day than having 10 minutes once or twice a week. It's always quality over quantity, isn't it? Ah, uh, yeah, well, it depends on what it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Vicky, I'm, I'm hearing loads of great um, benefits and results for the employer, but if I channel my little working bee, I want to know, well, how am I going to bring these uh, principles into my workplace? If I don't have an employer who is willing or interested in taking on such a program, how can I empower myself and perhaps the people I work work with and around to actually bring some practical mindfulness techniques in throughout the day? Well, if you're the type of person that has, um, you know, works with a team and you have meetings, try implementing or uh, as a... As a social experiment, a walking meeting. 
Mm. So the meetings that you have, make them walking meetings. Mm. We have walking meetings in our office um, and we've been doing them for 12 months or more now and they are the most creative, amazing, you know, getting up, getting your body moving and getting outside and having some fresh air or some fresh eyes on old problems or, you know, new new problems is has shown us by experience to be a really effective way of us being able to get creative and collaborative and bring about amazing results. So a walking meeting is something that you can do that is still, you can still be productive. You can, uh, if, you, you know, if you're not good at writing as you walk, you can uh, record your meeting and take your notes later. It, it, you know, it only needs to be 15 minutes. You know, if you can condense your meeting time down to 15 minutes, you can still follow your agenda. You can still follow all of your protocols and principles. You're just doing it as you're moving. Mm. And, and I guess, too, ensuring that we take our lunch breaks and take our a lot of breaks, not sitting at the at the computer, still wolfing down the food while we're typing with one hand. Well, you brought up the perfect thing, eat mindfully. Mm. It, it might be that you take less time for your lunch, um, you know, but if you just for 10 minutes sit, close your eyes and savour every single bite, not even every bite, let's say, um, because for some people, you know, eating mindfully is so far from their reality <laughs> uh, because of because of the, the demands on their attention. What I'd suggest is start with one bite. Close your eyes for one bite and do that mindfully. And then knock yourself out getting back into your computer. <laughs> <laughs> and, Vicky, what about for those of us that are sole traders or self-employed? We don't have an office. We don't have, you know, other contact and connections throughout the day. How can we be more mindful? Because I know for me having a home home office – I, uh, in the last year, I have managed to break the habit. But for six or seven years in a row, I was working nearly constantly. I couldn't walk past the computer without sitting down and checking emails and writing a report. Or if I got an idea, I'd have to go and take the idea and turn it into something. Whereas now I've got some practices around um, jotting down the idea on a piece of paper or a whiteboard and then leaving it alone until office time. Um, yeah. I'm trying to eat more away from my desk. So I've had to really, um, I've had to become really mindful and aware in my own discipline here because of how stressed I was. And, and I had the awareness, hey, I'm doing 70 hours a week. I never leave the computer alone. What am I doing on here at 11 o'clock? And then, of course, smart devices meant that Were I could do it in another badge? room. I was. I did have the badge of business. I owned it. I had the uniform. So I've undone a lot of those practices. And I'm and I'm really in a great space at the moment. That so, what have you noticed? Okay, so here's where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, you you you've applied some discipline, which is which is an important part. And and discipline and willpower are finite. They 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 fatigue very quickly. <laughs> However, training our attention is something that as we as we can apply willpower and discipline alongside training our attention through our one minute practices, then what um, emerges out of that is a really powerful state of being. And so you've, you've applied willpower and uh, discipline because from what I know about you, you're very good at that and your, your, your willpower muscle doesn't fatigue quite as quickly as mine. <laughs> However, in 
the beginning of our conversation before we even um, started recording, and it, even at the beginning of this show, we talked about you now do that almost on autopilot mm. because you've been training your attention. And yeah. so for me, you know, as I said, it, it, my heart sings because I, I know that you've got some some new um, brain activity, neurons that fire together, wire together. And so I know that you're firing off some really amazing neurons of mindfulness, but the spillover effect of that is just, is that you're a much more compassionate, kind, effective, gorgeous human being, <laughs> more so than you even were before. More so. <laughs> and you're right, discipline's been the key at home because, you know, now I don't get on the computer before 8 o'clock in the morning. I don't have my phone turned on, um, up, you know, 8 a.m. to 8, 8, 8 p.m. I'm not working on the weekends. I go and make my lunch and go and sit outside and eat it. Um, I'm scheduled in my yoga and my beach time before I start work. So it has been more about self-discipline as a sole trader than having other people to go, come on, Natalie, take a walk with me. Let's have this meeting out here. Yeah. You bring, you bring about two important principles. Um, one is removing temptation Mm. or reducing temptation and, uh, scheduling. Scheduling time for slowing down. And so that two very important ones, particularly if you're working from home, is remove the temptation. Get the mistress out of the bedroom. Close your computer off. Don't have it on so that you can walk past and look at it. And just, oh, look, that thing just popped in. Oh, maybe I can just check that. Schedule it. Utilize your um the, the ideas that you were talking about before, if you've got an idea, write it down, put it on your vision board or your brainstorming area and go back to it. Or there is there is a benefit in being able to channel that creative side of you. And so if you're feeling particularly creative, and I'm um, writing a book at the moment, and so that there are times when I just things just start to download and if, if at all possible, I'll, I'll stop and give some attention to mm. it if it's really if it's really compelling. Mm. However, I always set a time limit on it. That's a good idea. And I work, my sweet spot is about 23 minutes. So I work between 20 and 30 minute blocks. And maximum is half hour, minimum is sort of 20 minutes. Once I start on something, I'm not going to allow my distractedness to take me away from it. If I commit to it, I commit to it for a minimum of 20 minutes. And then I move on to my next scheduled thing. And sometimes that might be relaxing and resting and, and not doing anything or listening to music. or So scheduling is, a, mm. is an important one. The other really important key is find a practice that you can do in any moment regardless of what's going on around you. And that comes back to our breath. But, but even before our breath, we have to have the ability of, of awareness, and that awareness comes through in a pause, literally a pattern interrupt. And so if we can pause, take at least one deep breath in and a beautiful, long, slow breath out, and then layer that and infuse that with a smile. And if we did that just once a day for the next 30 days, that would make a shift. The compounding effect of training our attention uh, astounds me every single day. 
Beautiful. And that brings us to the end of another fabulous show. It goes also fast, but now you know Vicky's secret. This is as long as her bliss point will last. So it is time for me to wrap her up. This is my happy place. This is my happy we've got it we've got the passion we've got the inspiration we've got all the creativity and you know what a gift it is to to get that from you vicky every show so i think if people if if you actually want some uh workplace practices you know where to contact us uh via the via the wellnesscouch.com forward slash omm where there's lots of other great shows as well that are totally those people on those that couch the wellness couch are dedicated to supporting you through their vehicle of wonderment in um, your wellness adventure. You can also get connected with us on Facebook. Natalie, give us give us your magic there. Facebook.com forward slash OMM show, the OM show. And if you like this show, go now and post it or tweet it or share it with your online community and do go and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. So until next time, We invite you to pause, breathe, and infuse that with a smile a lot as you strengthen and expand your inspired mind and your connected heart for the greater good of of our human experience. Thank you, Natalie. Thanks, Vicky. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.